Alrighty, one, two, three. All yours, Vicky. All right. Is there anything I need to do special? You ne there's never anything you need to do special. <laughs> so like if I if I showed a picture, would it show up on the screen so you can see it or would I have to change a screen thing or something? Um, are you showing it on your computer or are you just holding it up? I would just hold it up to the camera. Yeah, we can just put our our own screen on speaker view and then we can see it. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, um, welcome to the uh, School for A Course in Miracles. And um, my name is Vicki, and we're studying tonight the clarification of terms, the ego, and the miracle, which is on page 81 of the end of the book, at the end of the manual. And another favorite topic, which is forgiveness, and the face of Christ. That's a lot of stuff for clarification of terms. But I read through everything that I think that, that we're going to touch on. And I got it down to 23 minutes. So we should be out of here by six. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, I'll need your um, comments and, and uh, stuff that you'll want to add. <laughs> So um, we're going to start with a, a meditation. Um, have you ever read the book uh, Waken from the Dream with, by Gloria Wapnick and Ken Wapnick? Um, it's an amazing dream that she has, and it, it really helped clarify for me um, some uh, semblance of being able to look at the world with not getting too... Uh, overtaken by it. So it's an awesome, awesome book. I think it's the only one she wrote, but I could be wrong. I'm sure she helped Kenneth with a lot of his stuff. But as far as the uh, writers of the book, it's definitely one with Gloria's name on it. So we'll, um, I'll read this part and then we can just have a little bit of quiet time. My dearest child, there is no need to atone for your guilt by inflicting such pain upon yourself. Accept the idea into your most holy mind that all you are perceiving is an illusion that is over and finished and has been undone through our loving source. Let me shine away these serial nightmare dreams and awaken once again the memory of our loving creator whom you never left. You still remain as he created you a perfect thought and loving extension of himself. Forget these brutal dreams of unworthiness and accept the truth that you have been forgiven all your mistaken beliefs, which have never truly occurred. Now we'll get quiet for a minute. Okay, whenever we're ready, 
I am I'm also using Ken Wapnick's clarification in term in uh, clarification. No, journey through the manual. Manual for teachers and clarification of terms. And I'm going to use a couple of his um, commentaries on what we read. And um, because I think he's just the best teacher, if I were to be a judgmental woman, he was just the best teacher. He kept to the message, which was that um, we're not bodies. We remain still as God created us. We can't be anything else. And so I'm going to turn on a light here. So we'll start on page 81. And um, let's see, Dave, will you read the um, number one paragraph of that section? Sure. <clears throat> of course. The ego, the miracle. Illusions will not last. Their death is sure, and this alone is certain in their world. It is the ego's world because of this. What is the ego? But a dream of what you really are. A thought you are not, uh, a thought you are apart from your creator, and a wish to be what he created not. It is a thing of madness, not reality at all. A name for namelessness is all it is a symbol of impossibility, a choice for options that do not exist. We name it, but to help us understand that it is nothing but an ancient thought that what is made has immortality. But what could come of this except a dream, which like all dreams can only end in death? Any comments, anyone? <laughs> it seems like I was um, doing a lot of um, what's the word word I want to use? Well, I was I was <clears throat> really kind of battling with my non-existent <laughs> ego today. <laughs> there were times it felt very real, you know. It just we've given it you know, that you know that belief. Uh, just goes to show how much or how powerful our mind is uh, that, you know, over time we can invest so much energy in that, that, you know, when, when we begin to look at that, it, um, it, it can really, you know, rattle our cage. So um, anyway, um, I'm, <clears throat> you know, intellectually, yep, I know it's not real. Uh, looking at it sometimes uh, seems real. So I'll just say that. Yeah, especially when uh, I notice when I'm like really identified with my body, the what's happening in my dream just seems so real. And, you know, I'm so thankful for the message in the course. Um, I can't tell you how many times I remind myself, well, I don't know if I remind myself, but I get corrected um, because I'm willing to be corrected, you know, that I dream a dream. I'm dreaming a dream. I mean, that just takes away a lot of punch from uh, some of the, uh, this, you know, it talks about it being nothingness that seems like somethingness. And um, 
And when we first when we first start looking at the ego thought system, it seems pretty loud and raucousy. And I think that's on purpose because he's teaching us how to check from within. And um, and it's it's uh, it's intense where it hadn't been before. Before we were sleeping and we were walking around and and didn't know we were dreaming. But now we have like this hint that we might be dreaming and and that can take that that uh, like explosiveness out of what what we're looking at in conflict. Okay, I'm going to read the next one because I, uh, I, I, what hit me uh, what hit me this time reading this paragraph was uh, that the most inherent probably probably the most inherent part of all illusions is that they will die. I, otherwise, it's not an illusion. You know, like our true self doesn't die. Um, our relationship with our father can't die. Um, but everything in the world of form dies. And everything in my sleeping dream dies in terms of I wake up and the dream stops. So illusions just don't last. Their death is sure, death and taxes. Two things in the world that are sure. Illusions will die. I don't know, that really grabbed me this time in a way I hadn't seen before. Like it's an inherent nature of any illusion. If it dies, it's an illusion. <laughs> yeah. Bruce has got something, yeah. The, the phrase that grabbed me was the symbol of impossibility. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, a symbol is just something that it's, you know, a placeholder or a substitute for something that it stands for. And it stands for something that couldn't possibly happen in, in eternity, which kind of ties in what Tim was talking about. It's like, if, if it's if it's a blip on the cosmic radar of eternity, or even a, a blip wannabe <laughs> more accurately, then, you know, it, it's, it's just staggering that we've invested so much of our identity into that non-identity, that non-existent uh, persona, self, dream <laughs> choice for options that don't exist a lot of a lot of good good you know uh, metaphors in that paragraph an ancient thought that didn't didn't happen thanks thanks um yeah um and i don't mind uh changing the word death of illusions to uh disappearance um i'm surprised i'm actually surprised he uses the word death in this paragraph um so much but he's probably correlating death with impossibility maybe that's why i use that word but uh the disappearance of the universe you know and uh, i was just thinking about i always i always remember that um saying that says um the world is a dry and dusty desert where starved and thirsty creatures come to die well in the winter, Colorado is pretty much back to its desert place. Everything is dry and golden brown and everything. But right now, we got spring coming and we are all getting our yards really nice and green on purpose because we don't want it to look like a desert for the summer. And it's so funny to see what people feel about their damn yards. It's, it's amazing. And how much competition there is. <laughs> 
but um, okay, I'm going to go to the second one. What is the ego? Nothingness, but in a form that seems like something. I love that line. Nothingness, but in a form that seems like something. In a world of form, the ego cannot be denied, for it alone seems real. Yet could God's son, as he created him, abide in form or in a world of form? Who asks you to define the ego and explain how it arose can be but he who thinks it real and seeks by definition to ensure that its elusive nature is concealed behind the words that seem to make it so. Yeah, words are but symbols of symbols and we label everything and judge everything and say it's this and use it for that. And we're very busy making sure that the, that the body stays maintained. Anybody else have a comment? All right. Um, Kathy O, can you read um, paragraph three? Sure. There is no definition for a lie that serves to make it true. Nor can there be a truth that lies conceal effectively. The ego's unreality is not denied by words, nor is its meaning clear because its nature seems to have a form. Who can define the undefinable? And yet there is an answer even here. How about the next one too, Kathy? Next we can't really make a definition for what the ego is, but we can say what it is not. And this is shown to us with perfect clarity. It is from this that we deduce that all the ego is. <clears throat> Look at its opposite and you can see the only answer that is meaningful. Well, that would be love, right? What, um... The opposite of the ego. Right. And then um, the next paragraph, he's going to, he's saying that the miracle is the opposite and, and, uh, and definitely miracles are of love for sure. And those two paragraphs are a little hard for me to um, digest. In fact, I think everything that we've read in this section so far has been a little hard for me to digest. We'll have to, uh, sit with that for a while yeah i'm i'm going on like 19 years of sitting on it <laughs> like, <laughs> what? what does that mean <laughs> um so now he's, we're going to go to the miracle and i just want to see if i wanted to check on Bruce has something, Vicki. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that, that first sentence in, in uh, paragraph three kind of reminded me of a cl classic quote. There's no definition for a lie that serves to make it true. So I quickly Googled, you know, what, what's that famous phrase? And, and it's variously attributed to Lenin and Goebbels, but it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, but apparently it might, might actually have been somebody else, but it doesn't, doesn't matter who said it, but, but it's uh, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. 
but that's the ego propaganda machine. You know, we, we, we tend to focus externally on, on the propaganda of the media and political figures and yada, yada, and all, all the things in the world that we think are, are doing a number on us, on our, our minds. But, but the, the real architect of, of the, <laughs> the treasonous lie, if you want to think of it that way, is the ego thought system itself. And we've all, we're all just kind of obedient slaves to the ego thought system until we question the very foundation that, that the separation happened, that sin and guilt and fear are real. But that's, that, that pulls the rug out from underneath the whole propaganda machine if we, if we are willing to question that, that flawed assumption. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. Yeah, that, that open-mindedness that um, we, we get as we practice forgiveness to, to allow that rug to be pulled out from under us. I mean, like you talk about being externally connected to uh, the media and what's going on in the world like that, but even I learn how to be a human being with other human beings by being externally focused, you know, like um, my great granddaughter is a year old. She's just learning to walk. Well, she's been watching her brother and, and her mom and dad. Well, they walk on two legs. So now she's going to walk on two legs. She's and, and, and everything is she's so excited about everything outside. Well, I'm sure we were all like that. Right. As little babies discovering the world and our parents and our families. Yeah. We, we've been addicted to that kind of outward looking for a long time. I was also thinking that, like, similar to, like, in form, everything has a shelf life. So anything that dies, by, by the way Jesus is describing it, has to be an illusion. It's it, it just part of, it's part of everything we believe in, every form. And then um, similarly, Everything we define has to have, and it doesn't matter whether I'm trying to define the ego or anything, it's got to be a lie. All definitions are lies. I've got a whole Webster encyclopedia, big, fat, juicy one, with all kinds of definitions, and they're all lies. It's not just the ego. Every definition is a lie. Every definition is saying this is very real, and this is what it looks like, and this is what it sounds like, and this is what it does. So I, that kind of flipped me out too. <laughs> All definitions are lies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, and there's a, uh, there's a good thing about that. I gotta find where I put my note, sorry. Oh, I was not ready. On, um, in, t in text 26, um, section three, paragraph four. And we've talked about this before. So it's on page 547. And so, so we've built all these beliefs up about being a body. And this particular, on page four, 547, paragraph four, nothing the son of God believes can be destroyed. Like God's not going to say, mm, you don't believe in that anymore. We have to bring it to uh, the truth detector, the decision maker inside. 
but what is truth to us must be brought to the last comparison that he will ever make, the last evaluation that will be possible, the final judgment upon this world. It is the judgment of the truth upon illusion of knowledge on perception. And this is what the Holy Spirit always says about my dream. It has no meaning and does not exist. Whether it's a good dream or a bad dream, that's what he says. And then after we understand that, that we're dreaming, this is not your decision, decision, but a simple fact, he says. And when um, everything we know isn't, or we thought we knew is an illusion, um, he, he pipes up with, it has no meaning and does not exist. It just takes the air out of everything that you are hot on. And um, so, yeah, did that, did that even make sense? <laughs> Every illusion is, is a lie, reflecting back to us what we want to see. Well, and part of the irony, I mean, we're in the clarification of terms. These are Jesus's definitions. They're all lies. <laughs> the face of Christ is not, can't be defined. It is an experience outside of time and space. Real forgiveness can't be, a miracle can't be defined. I mean, it's just, we, we can sort of go through what it takes to get there. And certainly the Course does that. But I mean, the, the experience itself is, is not, it doesn't, how, how do you define a miracle? How do you define the face of Christ? How do you define forgiveness? I mean, we say there's three steps and all that, but you get to the third step and it's like, well, you got to try this because <laughs> there's no way to tell you what it's going to be like. <laughs> right, right. The, the experience of forgiving something you thought you could never forgive. Just, oh my God, you know, as, as the Course describes forgiveness, reminding the mind that what I thought my brother did to me never occurred. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. But we, we sure try to define what he did to me. <laughs> Let oh. me tell you what he did to uh, me. <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right, back to page 81. Um, four and five. Okay, now um, paragraph. Oh, you did you read paragraph five, Kathy, or just three and four? Okay, paragraph five. Where is it? Okay. The ego's opposite in every way, in origin effect and consequence we call a miracle. And here we find all that is not the ego in this world. Here is the ego's opposite and here alone we look on what the ego was. For here we see all that it seemed to do and cause and its effects must still be one. Where there was darkness, now we see the light. What is the ego? What the darkness was? Where is the ego, where the darkness was? What is it now and where can it be found? Nothing and nowhere. Now the light has come. Its opposite has gone without a trace. Where evil was, there now is holiness. And what is the ego, what the evil was? Where is the ego in an evil dream? 
it but seemed real while you were dreaming it. Where there was crucifixion stands God's son. What is the ego who has need to ask? Where is the ego who has need to seek for an illusion? Now that dreams are gone. Well, that should clarify that stuff for you, Kathy. <laughs> and Tim with his definition stuff going on here. It's what it was, not what it is, it sounds like. It reminds me of Ken's, uh, when he says, if anybody comes up to you and says two plus two is four, don't believe him. And then he's got that whole little seminar on two plus two equals five. I mean, in, in a sense, it's kind of rephrasing all definitions are lies. Two plus two doesn't equal four. Two plus two is just a total illusion, doesn't mean anything. I, I hate when he says two plus two equals five, though. That drives me crazy. <laughs> he just sort of said it equals whatever, a cow. <laughs> it equals. <laughs> I thought it should be one plus one equals one. I thought that made more sense with the course, but I get what he was doing with the, giving you an answer that's not the answer that we know, right? Bruce has got some. I, I, like, I like the idea of the, the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. That, that, that to me is a much more satisfying phrase than two plus two equals five. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, I think there's something coming up here for Tim at the end. Um, so, uh, Lisa, would you read um, seven and eight on page 82? Sure. Did we read six or do you want me to just skip that? No, I, re I think I read it. Did it you? Was, okay. I'm, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you read Okay. Were you in the bathroom, Lisa? No, <laughs> but I had my COVID booster today, so I'm just a little off, but <laughs> okay, here I go. There are no wishes now for wishes change. Even the wished for can become unwelcome. Wait, honey, where are you? I thought you said paragraphs. Oh, I'm reading the wrong. Sorry. No wonder. Okay. What paragraph? Am I reading? <laughs> reading the wrong section i'm sorry what is a miracle is that what i'm supposed to read <laughs> that's it what is a miracle a dream as well but look at all the aspects of this dream and you will never question anymore look at the kindly world you see extend before you as you walk in gentleness look at the helpers all along the way you travel happy in the certainty of heaven and the surety of peace. And look an instant, too, on what you left behind at last and finally passed by. That was the ego, all the cruel hate, the need for vengeance and the cries of pain, the fear of dying and the urge to kill, the brotherless illusion and the self that seemed alone in all the universe. This terrible mistake about yourself, the miracle corrects as gently as a loving mother sings her child to rest. 
Is not a song like this what you would hear? Would it not answer all you thought to ask and even make the question meaningless? Yes, I think so. <laughs> that's a much better, that's a much better uh, dream. You know, <laughs> I think it's, yeah. it's just like, I'd be fine in that dream, you know? I like it. Yeah, the, the world is saved from what you thought it was. Yeah. Beautiful. I just love how he talks about in the course, how um, that he's not going to wake us up from the nightmare and hurl us into reality. He's going to give us a, a gentler, kinder, more loving dream first. So, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I, sometimes I, it's when I, I, I think I'm not learning it. I'm not learning it. And then all of a sudden I'll have some kind of um, inspiration and I'll be like, Oh, that's what that means. Like using the symbols of the world to um, talk to our brothers that might be ready for waking up. Well, we use the symbols of the world versus, ah, you're not a body. Don't worry about it. You know, it's such a much gentler, um, loving way that that spirit and, and, it reminds us who we really are. I just had this uh, whatever thought that uh, if I can define it, I can kill it. I don't even know if that's true, but I suddenly it felt like it made sense. If I can define it, it means it's separated from me and I've killed its sonship. Yeah. <laughs> if I can define it, I killed it. I killed, certainly, I killed the son of God in it. Uh oh. <laughs> well, like, and are you like, are you in a place in your life where you can just like be abstract thinking and not really worry about specifics? Like, hell, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what we're we're talking about. Like, like just hanging out with it. I mean, like you can't do anything about it, and and uh, um. Like for me, it surprises me when I react because I've been practicing not being so taken by the world. And then when somebody just ticks me off, I'm like off to the races and I have to look at it and I have to go, wait a minute, that's an illusion. She was an illusion and I'm in a dream. And, and then I, it takes away some of the fire. Um, so maybe I can calm it down in a day or two or it's much faster than it used to be. I could swell and, and muster on something for weeks and months. And um, I think now in maybe like three days, maybe a week, I can, I can hear my ego mind bringing it up again because I want to feel the effects of what that person did to me. And uh, I get tired of attacking myself attacking the world. So I'm all for abstract hanging out. Vicki? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always love when Jesus throws a question in there, you know, that um, I think those are always an important 
a cue to stop and ask that question of myself. Um, this uh, sentence two in paragraph eight, this terrible mistake. First of all, he doesn't just say a mistake. He said it was a terrible mistake. And about yourself, the miracle corrects. Um, as gently as a loving mother sings her child to rest. So beautiful. And then he says, is, is this not a song uh, like what you would, would, would want to hear? You know, that we really ask ourselves, wouldn't I prefer to hear that song than all of the strife and horror and everything that we spend most of our time just to pause and ask that question of ourselves? I think it's enough to do that to uh, say, yeah, I really do want something else. I mean, every now and then, I think it's important to say, I really do want something else. Instead of always affirming the horror, he asked these questions for a very important reason. And he wants us to answer them for ourselves, not just to go by it without even reflecting on it. But, you know, it really struck me what a, beautiful question um, and wouldn't it answer all your thoughts to, to ask and even make the question meaningless. It's the atonement. I think that whole paragraph is the atonement. <laughs> you know, it's like a statement of it's over. This is what's over. This horror, this terrible mistake, it's over. Wouldn't you want that? And if I said yes, that would be, oh, I'm accepting an atonement for myself. I'm accepting the correction. So I, I, I love that, that beautiful, this was the ego, like it's gone, it's done, it's finished. If you say you want it to be done and finished right now, I mean, you may pick it back up five minutes from now, but at least in this moment, can I say, Yes, I accept atonement for myself. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you. That was good. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Bruce has something. Oh, hey, Bruce. Yeah, I just kind of um, echoing what Lynn was just sharing. I, today, I've been, you know, occasionally remembering the workbook lesson and, and uh, think, you know, mulling over the, you know, beyond this world, there's a world I want. And then the other quote that's come to mind is that. I, I find uh, kind of like Lynn was saying, it's like it, it just is profoundly encouraging, you know, rhetorical question of, you know, could it could it be that, uh, you know, rather than asking too much, we ask far too little. And mm -hmm. and I think the course is really uh, in every page is asking that question. What if, what if our reality is so unimaginably better than anything we've ever touched on in this world. And, and we get glimmers of it and little shadows or reflections of reflections of echoes of stuff. But, but there's, it seems like we wouldn't be, have been drawn to this course if we didn't know on some deep level mm -hmm. that there is a profound eternal reality that's drawing us forward to, to 
press on gently, firmly, but consistently with the course's practice until we find that because it, it's inevitable, it's happily inevitable, but why, why not, <laughs> you know, just kick, kick the road, the rocks off the road that are in our way and, and gently proceed, you know, rather than, you know, say, well, I'm stuck here. There's a pebble in the road. I can't go any further, you know, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, I think just the other day there was the nod, the nod paragraph that we read in a class. It's like, wouldn't you just give a nod to God? I love that, the nod to God. Like, wouldn't you just say yes to him for a second when he asks you a question? <laughs> wouldn't you answer it <laughs> instead of going right by it? <laughs> yeah, the nod to God. <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, sometimes I'll just, I'll just wink. Like, I'll say something that I know that him and I think is funny. And then I'll wink and it, I just, it, it's like you're saying a nod. Like, don't we even have time to, to wink at him? You know, just like acknowledge that we're glad he's here. Yeah, give him a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like the whole kind of um, part of that um, experience that Bruce was talking about kind of like the whole mother side of God is, is, is emphasized here. Happy Mother's Day to God, to us, that we have a mother like God that, that's willing to help us rest and nurture us. A loving mother sings her child to sleep, to rest. And so, and it's really the end of war. I mean, it's all, all that horrible stuff. It's the end of the cries of pain. It's the end of the fear of dying. It's the end of, of this urge we have to kill each other that we don't see our brothers as our brothers, we see them as the enemy. It's the end of war, really. And, and, and that's, that's the message that a nurturing mother brings. We can rest from that war. We don't have to keep killing each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. um, and another, I think there's a line in the course, I don't know where it is, but it says that the father sings love songs to the son and the son sings love songs right back to him. And, Sometimes out that line about the mother singing to the child. Sometimes when I'm just like crazy and something, I'll remember, oh, the father's singing love songs to his son and the son sings them right back. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's great. That's all they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Love it. I was watching a Marvel movie the other day. It was the, uh, the one they did on Asia. It's, it's pretty clever. But there's a lot of scenes that, you know, it's all, it's all this action stuff like wild kung fu. And, but occasionally, one of the characters in the midst of all this, like, super action, just looks at the other guy and nods. They don't say anything, but in that one little nod is everything. You know, it's just, it's like for a moment, there's rest. There's a nod. There's a rest. There's a there's a nod to each other in the midst, midst of the seeming war. It was, it, uh, it just hit me what, when Lynn was talking about that, how, how m much those scenes really stood out in the middle of all that craziness, that, that they just nodded to each other. Didn't say anything, just nodded to each other. It's profound. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on the battlefield, yeah. you've got a, a nod. I know we're cool. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's fun riffing on this idea of the nod 
but you know, sometimes you're at the checkout counter in a grocery store or somewhere and your eye catches the checker and you just look and it's like the nod or the wink wink, but there's a, there's a knowing as you, you know, connect with one another. And, you know, it's, I see that as, you know, I'm not in the way with my personhood and they're not in the way with their personhood either. You know, communication is direct. It's restored in that instant. And it's like, hello. <laughs> and it's just so beautiful. You know, it's, this is not a brotherless illusion. He talks about this is not a brotherless illusion that we're dreaming that our brother is separate from us. We're, you know, we're one. So those little moments where, you know, wink, wink are pretty powerful. And gosh, there are so many opportunities for that everywhere. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, sometimes uh, I'll be just, I'll, a stranger will be walking down the street and we both just, and I'll be driving and we both just smile at each other. And there's a line in the course that says, all God's children know each other. And sometimes I think that that's what's happening when you just connect real quick with somebody in, in silence, but in a, but in a smile, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, we know one another perfectly. Uh, only as, as perfect, we know one another. All other ways of knowing one another are false, you know. We've raised up the you know, the false self again, and there it is in the way, <laughs> blocking communication. It's just sad, you know, we don't have to do that. No, yeah. but we forget. We're, yeah, we we're forget. here for each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the lie of there's only one true love for one person, for each person, that's a lie. We're all here to love each other. Like there's no way any of us should be lonely, right? We're here to save each other and and be brothers and sisters to each other. Yeah. That's like a really nice way to live, maybe. Yeah, could be. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got to lose? <laughs> <laughs> nothing but the ego. <laughs> That's right. The the nothing. <laughs> the nothingness. Yeah, we just lose nothingness. That's that's cool. All right. Um, anybody else with your with any nothingness? Yes, Bruce. <laughs> I, I just want one more thought because since Tim brought up the, the the motherhood thing, I mean it's kind of flashing on. Years ago, I read somewhere or heard somewhere that the that part of what made it into our uh, Bill of Rights, Constitution, whatever, was uh, was derived from the Iroquois Conf Confederacy, and and they they one thing that wasn't put in uh, to our you know U.S. political system was they actually had a thing called the Council of Grandmothers. And before any yes. declaration of war was made, the, the Council of Grandmothers had to had to agree on the war. And so that put the kibosh in a lot of wars because a lot of, a lot of grandmothers would say, yeah, I don't know about taking my kids and my grandkids and, and having them slaughtered on the battlefield. So, so that, you know, there was, there's sort of that, that intrinsic connection uh, factor that, that it could, I think, contributed to that. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's I think, I think a, a neat, neat idea. <laughs> Obviously, it, it could easily be, you know, level of confusion for fodder if we tried to apply it on level of form. But, but the idea that, you know, we're all interconnected and why would I want to sacrifice myself is really at the, at the core of that idea. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And I think I heard that story too. These, 
these grandmothers were of different tribes and they spoke of, oh, but her grandson is living in that, that part of the country. We can't do a war with that country. And then the, another grandmother would say, you know, the cousin of my, of my great uncle is living, has gone over there and visited or brought food to those people. Or, uh, we're not gonna do war with them. Like there's a lot of reasons, right? That people could think, yeah, we're not gonna have war right now. And uh, the grandmothers, I like that, the, the elders, those that have come before us that um, taught that compassion and that, that kind of seeing that we're all connected. Nice. All right, um, paragraph nine, your questions have no answer being made to still God's voice, which asks of everyone one question only, are you ready yet to help me save the world? Mm -hmm. ask this instead of what the ego is and you will see a sudden brightness cover up the world the ego made no miracle is now withheld from anyone the world is saved from what you thought it was and what it is is wholly uncondemned and wholly pure the miracle forgives the ego dams neither need be defined except by this Yet could a definition be more sure or more in line with what salvation is? Problem and answer lie together here. And having met at last, the choice is clear. Who chooses hell when it is recognized? And who would not go on a little while when it is given him to understand the way is short and heaven is his goal? And I have um, Ken's. Um, Ken's commentary, unless someone else has something they want to say about that last paragraph. Um, Ken's commentary in the clarification for, of the terms. We are told in A Course in Miracles and in a particularly beautiful passage in the workbook that what God created could never not be immortal and eternal. And I can give you that um, page or that passage number if you need it. Yet the ego is a thought system that says what it has made. A self of individual consciousness and the world that arose from it is indeed immortal. Thus it would follow that if the ego's world, thought system and self are always here, God's self and his kingdom cannot be. Oneness and separation, reality and illusion, love and hate, light and darkness are mutually exclusive states that cannot coexist except in the insane mind that disassociates them. I, I crossed out where it says the miracle forgives the ego dams. I put in the miracle forgives the ego defines. <laughs> so there. <laughs> I knew you were going to pick up. I fixed it. <laughs> I fixed it. The other thing is that I'm curious about, and it's probably everybody, but I mean, when he says, the Holy Spirit says to us, are you ready yet to help me save the world? Well, of course, my immediate ego reaction is, well, no, not yet. <laughs> I, I don't know. It sounds like it. 
that's quite a job you're trying to give me here. But then, you know, he, he says, ask this instead of what the ego is. Like, I'm supposed to ask that. Of myself, am I ready yet to save? Or, or am I supposed to ask? You know, I was thinking, do I ask that of my brother? That takes a whole, and a whole new thing, too. If I meet somebody internally, I ask them, are you ready yet to help us save the world? Hmm. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, all right, if everybody's ready, we'll go to the next clarification. Everybody got Tim's definition of everything? <laughs> we could move on to forgiveness and the face of Christ. Um, Abe, will you read the first three paragraphs? Okay. Forgiveness is for God and toward God, but not of Him. It is impossible to think of anything He created that could need forgiveness. Forgiveness, then, is an illusion, but because of its purpose, which is the Holy Spirit's, it has one difference. Unlike all other illusions, it leads away from error and not towards it. Forgiveness might be called a kind of happy fiction, a way in which the unknowing can bridge the gap between their perception and the truth. They cannot go directly from perception to knowledge because they do not think it is their will to do so. This makes God appear to be an enemy instead of what he really is. And it is just this insane perception that makes them unwilling merely to rise up and to return to him in peace. One more, right? Mm -hmm. And so they need an illusion of help because they are helpless. A thought of peace because they are in conflict. God knows that his son needs, God knows what his son needs before he asks. He's not at all concerned with form, but having given the content, it is his will that it be understood. And that suffices. The form adapts itself to need. The content is unchanging as eternal as its creator. Uh, you know, I was thinking about paragraph two, that uh, the sentence says, this makes God appear to be an enemy instead of what he really is. We are, we're really upset with God. And the reason is that God does not acknowledge that our, our creations in the dream are real. We want him to come here and fix, you know, whatever is in front of me right now in the dream. And he doesn't do that. And I get upset by it. Uh, and, but he is more than happy to help me figure out that I'm still in heaven, not separate. Um, but I, that's not what I'm looking for right now. <laughs> I want him to fix, you know, whatever problem seems to be in front of me, right? Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Thanks. Thank you. Um, yeah, I love that 
I love that first line, forgiveness is for God and toward God, leads away from error, right? And moves toward God. Like it's it's a gentler, a gentler dream that we could come to some acceptance of a father who would never hurt his son. And, and so he, he gives us an illusion to help us understand that our illusions are untrue. I mean, like how smart is God? Like, just, well, I ask him all the time, but <laughs> that's just like so cool. He didn't make up something heavenly and say, okay, now you guys got to use this. He's like, he's giving us another illusion to lead away from our errors, which is forgiveness. Just that just amazes me. Forgiveness um, defined by the Course in Miracles versus the old kind of forgiveness that we've always thought was what right. worked. Yeah. The other day I was reading, I don't know, it was New York Times or Atlantic Monthly, but they were they were talking about how people choose to go down a political road and then so they buy early on they buy a premise and then and then they keep building on that premise and rather than go back to the premise and realize maybe it's a little screwed up or a little skewed they they keep defending the the original mistake and everything after that premise becomes a defense and i i just thought it was a perfect description of we define ourselves as a separate thing from God. And then everything after that becomes defending that silly premise. And then forgiveness is just simply getting back to letting go of that premise. I'm not separate from my father. And, but you know, I have to be willing to stop trying to defend I am separate from my father and I am justified with my judgments and I am this and I am that and look what the world does. And I, I mean, it just, it's just getting back to that silly premise and then letting it go. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, having to uh, convince us through this however many page um, book that uh, maybe we were mistaken like he's pretty, pretty, um, mm -hmm. pretty good and gentle on. It's just a tiny mad idea. I just you just made a mistake. You believed something that was untrue, and now we're going to look at what's true and and forever and eternal, and that those really do exist. I think those little moments, Vicki, where we do give the nod and we do see someone and we do look at each other and there's an instant of knowing those, you know, the more we recognize those, um, those, those are the, you know, the holy instants that um, are becoming more and more frequent as we go through our day, you know, because we're, we are becoming more and more open-minded and it's, it's happening on another level. We don't even know it's happening. And then 
voila, there's a moment and there's a holy instant with somebody we don't even know. So, you know, those are all, I think, signs and symbols and hints and allegations that change is happening. And, um, you know, I didn't plan to go in the store and have a holy instant. It, it's, it's happened. And it's always the holy instant. He says, it is always the holy instant, but where are you? Oh, I'm consumed with my identity and getting my chore done or, you know, doing what I want to have happen. And I'm just not present enough <laughs> to allow myself to be aware of it. And it's, it's, it's creeping up on me, you know, slowly it's really taking over. And that's what we could only hope for, that it would it would take over eventually completely. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Mm. The eternal nod. <laughs> yeah, the eternal nod. <laughs> I got about eight million things going through my head right now, Tim. But we're gonna go ahead and read on. <laughs> the eternal knot. I like that. Oh, okay. The next paragraph four is about the face of Christ. And um, Bruce Rawls, will you read that paragraph? And five. Sure. Sure. The face of Christ has to be seen before the memory of God can return. The reason is obvious. Seeing the face of Christ involves perception. No one can look on knowledge. But the face of Christ is the great symbol of forgiveness. It is salvation. It is the symbol of the real world. Whoever looks on this no longer sees the world. He is as near to heaven as is possible outside the gate. Yet from this gate, it is no more than just a step inside. It is the final step, and this we leave to God. Forgiveness is a symbol too, but as the symbol of his will, alone it cannot be divided. And so the unity that it reflects becomes his will. It is the only thing still in the world in part, and yet the bridge to heaven. So that's... I, yeah, I, I, I really like, um, you know, how that's expressed because it basically is just saying it's, it's, that's our way back, you know, trusting the Holy Spirit and practicing forgiveness moment to moment is, and seeing the shared interest, <laughs> as Ken points out in uh, his commentary in the manual for teachers, you know, the two things that the, the manual talks about is trusting Holy Spirit and seeing the shared interest in, in everything. And, and the face of Christ has obviously got to be, as it says, <laughs> seeing the innocence in, in everyone we meet uh, moment to moment, whether it's someone on walking down the street or the you know, grocery store, wherever, wherever we might find ourselves. Um, those, those moments are opportunities to re reconnect with what we never truly disconnected from. I also was thinking about the... Um, that first paragraph and how it kind of ties together with that, that forgiveness, unlike all other illusions, uh, leads away from error, not towards it. I was kind of flashing on one of Ken's wonderful audios about the, 
using the metaphor of the labyrinth and the, the golden thread of hope where the ego's got the dark thread that keeps us endlessly dividing and fragmenting and keeping the separation real. But the Holy Spirit's, um, you know, seeing the face of Christ is really in, in each, each other moment to moment is, is that golden thread. It's the same thread just turned around hand over hand the other direction instead of deeper into the labyrinth and the dark cave where we're using it uh, to get back out toward the light. And, and how each each of us has like a mathematically perfect path. And it may seem to be different, but it's all leading to the same light. Yeah. So anyway, good stuff. <laughs> I just yeah. gotta I just gotta remember to ask Holy Spirit, how how do I see this this alleged other? It's like, oh, that's right, it's myself. <laughs> Kindness is warranted, and then there's the face of Christ with innocence. Yeah. Yeah, it um Remembering that shared interest, thanks for bringing that up. Um, oh, the, um, the, stuff, the stuff that I judge other people for, it's, it's usually from something that I've judged myself about. Mm -hmm. And then I'm projecting it out because I don't want it here versus looking at it without judgment. And, um, and when I do do that, when I look at it without judgment, I see others as innocent as I am. Oh, and how hard we work at this life, the high maintenance of these bodies and having children and uh, grandchildren and, and the young parents working I mean, it's just like, wow. It's, uh, we're, we're all fighting a hard bear battle or uh, we are all carrying these, these thoughts of what my body did and, and, and shame. And here the mind is completely at home with God. It never changed and became form at all. We are an idea in God's mind. And there's, that's, that's an idea that never changes into something else. Um, I'm combining what uh, Bruce was saying with uh, the, the idea that forgiveness is an illusion to um, I, I, I just think that whole idea, it's the same friggin' thread is mind-blowing. I mean, it's not like you got to go off and, and do something holy. It's not like you got to go sit and be quiet. I mean, all you got to do is look at the same illusions and then go the other direction with them. <laughs> go back to the, you know, the, the, the original premise that they were all built on. I mean, you don't have to go off and lock yourself in. A, I mean, you can if you want, but it's, it's going to be as crazy in Gethsemane with the monks as it's going to be in New York City with the not monks. I mean, people are crazy everywhere. It doesn't matter. It's all it's all illusion. But am I using am I using this illusion to stay trapped, or am I using the very same illusion, the very same thread, and looking at making a whole different purpose? That's just mind blowing to me. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like, wow, this doesn't have to be hard. We don't have to go out and do anything. It's the same stuff I'm doing right now. 
just looking at it different. Gentler. Mm. What's that? Gentler. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Instead of trying to kill it. <laughs> Um, the other, the, an, another thing I want to say about the face of Christ and seeing the face of Christ, I've been questioning what that would be when, you know, the face of Christ is um, not, hello, darling, yeah. is not, uh, it's not a face, right? So is it the face of us? Because we have faces, is that why? He's saying the why he's calling the face of Christ is a big deal in the in the atonement, seeing it. Um, or are we talking about a fictitious face in a painting of Jesus two thousand years ago? Like, one, of the, one of the early stories of Helen's that I really like is uh, I I don't know if it was a dream she had or a vision or just some insightful metaphor, but she's in a boat. It's like a little rowboat. And she's in the boat with Jesus, but she knows it, she knows it's Jesus, but it looks like Bill. And she says to Jesus, why do you look like Bill? And he says, who'd you expect me to look like? like <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> I think that's the face of Christ, you know? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. The face of all our brothers is the face of Christ then. Since we have faces, but we really don't have faces. Yeah. The face is also a symbol for recognition. It's like how, how do you know how do you know someone? Well, you recognize their face. Yeah. Yeah. But then in pure non-duality, we all have the same face. <laughs> We're the same idea. All right. Where did you leave off, Bruce? I read four and five, four and five. I believe. Uh -huh. All right. Um, um, paragraph six. God's will is all there is. We can but go from nothingness to everything, from hell to heaven. Is this a journey? No, not in truth. For truth goes nowhere, but illusions shift from place to place, from time to time. The final step is also but a shift, as a perception is, it is part unreal, and yet this part will vanish, and what remains is peace, eternal, and the will of God. Any comments on that? I like that the the unreal perception that we that we have going on is eventually going to vanish, and what remains is the peace of God. I mean, wow! What are we hanging on to it for, right? There's nothing better than the peace of God. <laughs> Aside from that, there's nothing else to find, he tells us, except the peace of God. 
if you seek for anything else, you seek for misery and pain. Yeah. And then this next paragraph, suddenly he's talking about wishes. There are no wishes now for wishes change. Even the wished for, oh, I see. Once, once the unreal perception is gone and we are in the eternal peace, there are no wishes now for wishes change. Even the wished for can become unwelcome. That must be so because the ego cannot be at peace. But will is constant as the gift of God. And what he gives is always like himself. This is the purpose of the face of Christ. It is the gift of God to save his son. But look on this and you have been forgiven. How lovely does the world become in just that single instant when you see the truth about yourself reflected there. Now you are sinless and behold your sinlessness. Now you are holy and perceive it so. And now the mind returns to its creator, the joining of the father and the son, the unity of unities that stands behind all joining, but beyond them all. God is not seen, but only understood. His son is not attacked, but recognized. I mean, like some of this stuff, you just have to go, wow. Wow. So, so does this mean that the Holy Spirit washes us of, of, of free of wishes? So it's washy-wishy so that uh, we're no longer wishy-washy? Is that how it works? <laughs> it's exactly, Bruce. I think that's it. We probably just don't wish for anything else which is like absolutely content in content. That was one of my Bruce Ross. Now I'm crazed about where in the hell do wishy-washy come from? <laughs> so I like that line that said, but will is constant as the gift of God. Right, his will is our will and it's constant. And then Ken's, um, Ken's commentary on that was, I look on the innocence of my brother by withdrawing my projections and recognize the innocence in myself. To be described beautifully in the next section, I take back what I put from myself onto you and bring it back, bring it to my mind. Thus, I acknowledge that the guilt is not in you, but in me, realizing that my guilt defended against the innocence that is my true reality. By the day-to-day -day practice of changing my mind about you, I learn to change my mind about me, reflecting the change of inner teacher from the ego to the Holy Spirit. And then after the, uh, on, on the next paragraph, how lovely does the world become? K 
Ken was saying, the world does not change. You could be in Auschwitz, have your mind healed and be in the real world. The scent of death will be as strong as it was before, but you will not smell it. Your body might, but you will not because your healed mind will perceive only expressions of love or calls for it. You will realize that everyone has the same love and call for love. For underlying the ego's hate, we are the same. That is what makes everything lovely. Seek not to change the world, but choose to change your mind about the world. When you thus change your mind, choosing innocence instead of guilt, everything becomes beautiful in your perception. And then because our perception needs to be changed and the Holy Spirit uses our perception, then we go on from there to knowledge then, I think, from what I've read. And I could find that for you if you want. Because we can't go to knowledge from the bullshit we've been believing for 65 years. But we can go through, go to knowledge in having our perception um, forgiven by ourselves and seeing with the Holy Spirit what we really are. Vaccinated and harmless. <laughs> Did you, get, did you get your Jesus shot today? I got shot with Jesus. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not getting into all the variants right now. I'm like, are you going to come up with one more? Come on. It's enough. Um, oh, okay, good. Um, I have another um, quote that I really like, and, and I use it a lot. I have it written everywhere in my world. And um, it's reminding us that the miracle undoes. The miracle corrects the wrong mind. The world never did anything to him. He only thought it did. Nor does he do anything to the body world. I always put body with world, body world. Because he was mistaken about what it is. Herein is the release from guilt and sickness both, for they are one. Yet to accept this release, the insignificance of the body must be an acceptable idea. I'd like to remind myself of that. Every time I'm putting up a story, about what another body did to my body, or I see myself unfairly treated. It's a, it's a really good tool for me. I like he says, you don't have to believe it. It, it just it, in the realm of possibilities, is it acceptable a little bit? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That it just must be an acceptable idea. Just like, 
open open the window just a crack. Maybe I'm not a body, or maybe my body's not so important that it needs. Oh my God! Do you watch commercials on TV? Like you can. I mean, it's unreal. People need eyelashes that do this, or they need hearing aids that do that, or I mean, just all this stuff that they tell us we've got got to have and do and be. And um, I have to turn it off. I don't have time for that stuff. Well, oh, we're doing, we're pretty good. I got past 25 minutes. Um, so in closing, if, unless there's uh, some more comments. What's really jumping out at me is um, at the end of paragraph 7 on page 84 when he says, This is the purpose of the face of Christ. It is the gift of God to save his son. So that experience of Helen in the boat, I mean, that's the gift that's going to save us all. When, when I'm willing to, to see the Christ in you, feel that Christ, feel that presence, acknowledge it in my awareness, that's the gift that's going to save, save me, save all of us, save you, save me. But that experience in the, <laughs> the boat experience, <laughs> I mean, that's the gift that's going to save our butts. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Save our boats? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? He said save our boats. <laughs> <laughs> all right so in closing i just want to read from lesson 122 on forgiveness offers everything i want and then um yeah then we can open up our beers and no never mind all right Forgiveness offers us everything that I want. What could you want forgiveness cannot give? Do you want peace? Forgiveness offers it. Do you want happiness, a quiet mind, a certainty of purpose, and a sense of worth and beauty that transcends the world? Do you want care and safety and the warmth of sure protection always? Do you want a quietness that cannot be disturbed? a gentleness that can never be hurt, a deep abiding comfort, and a rest so perfect it can never be upset. All this forgiveness offers you and more. It sparkles on your eyes as you awake and gives you joy with which to meet the day. It soothes your forehead while you sleep and rests upon your eyelids so you see no dreams of fear and evil malice and attack and when you wake again it offers you another day of happiness and peace all this forgiveness offers you and more
can do it. Hello, hello. Excuse me. Do, do we do it quiet at the end or do we just say, thanks, Vic? <laughs> That's the best closings yet. No. <laughs> That's good. No, we don't do that. <laughs> Thanks, Vic. Thanks, Vic. <laughs> Great job. Thanks, everybody, for helping out. Great, Great. job. Thanks, Vic. That was wonderful. Thanks. <laughs> Alrighty. Everybody take care. Good night. Good night. Bye. Thanks.